So while I was on the way here to record this pair of episodes that we're about to record, I got behind some kind of leaf pickup truck. Okay. Which is not exciting. That's not the exciting part of the story. The exciting, creepy, ominous part is that the brand was Goathead. And there was a goat head sticker staring at me. No, there wasn't. I swear. I tried to take a picture, but he left the stop sign. Why does this always happen to us when we get ready to record spooky shit? It like the universe knows. I have never seen this brand of truck in this town before. Look this shit up. Look it up. I got to look at this. Hold on. I actually don't know if it was like a leaf removal or it was like a big sucky truck. Goat head. Ah, show me the go head. I can't find it. There's oh god. There's the green goat, which is gross because they call. Oh, it, I've been there. They no, it's like it's, it's a, a lawn, restaurant. No, it's a lawn care service. Oh, in Lynchburg and Roanoke, but they call it organic lawn care goat grazing services. So is it actually a goat? Please no, tell me. I don't know. Their website's real shitty. Look at this. This is their website. It's like completely left aligned and not. Okay. I'm sorry. I, I'm sorry because we know what's going to happen. We're going to summon a demon again. We're going to summon a demon again. <laughs> Folks, welcome to spooky season. Halloween round two. <laughs> I'm Leah. I'm Bethan. And this is She Will Rock You. Before we get to the, the meat of today's episode, we don't have any new reviews, so here's your reminder yet again to please leave us a review on Apple if you're listening on an iPhone, or if you're not listening on an iPhone and you have your iTunes account from 7th grade, you can leave mm-hmm. a review from a desktop, like, please go leave us a review. Um, Sorry, your joke is now hitting me. <laughs> it took a second. <laughs> I... We have two reminders before we get into this episode. Number one is partially my fault. I completely forgot, A, to announce that this is a feature that we do, and B, for the one person who has taken advantage of it. Um, So if you visit the links in our bio, we are hosted on Anchor, which is a great hosting platform, uh, and they allow supporters to... Kind of like Patreon, mm-hmm. give us, you know, a dollar, two dollars a month, whatever you feel fit. Rody, that beer is not for you. <laughs> um, and we had our first monthly podcast supporter subscribe Yay! like two months ago and we never gave her a shout out. So Sorry. Ariana, I don't know how to pronounce your last name. You're Italian. This looks Italian. Well, I probably shouldn't for security <laughs> purposes. We'll just say it's manicotti for right okay. now. Ariana Manicotti. <laughs> Dude, that's actually, that's a character name right there. Pin that for a later graphic novel series. You know who you are. Thank you for subscribing. Um, if anyone else feels in, like they really like what we do here, we would love for you to support us. Yes. We pay for everything out of our pockets. Absolutely. But we do it because we love you all. We do. We do it because we enjoy it. Um, also because we use adobe creative cloud all day at work so we just split the cost but makes easy it would be nice to get some outside monies uh reminder number two well i guess the first one was really a reminder that was an announcement yeah 
But reminder, announcement, important topic number two is please, 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 please go vote. I know you're tired of hearing this. I know I'm tired of hearing it, but just do it. We're not going to tell you to vote for. Make your own decision, but just go do it. Because if you don't vote, you have no license to complain for the next four years. Listen, folks. <laughs> cue, cue the patriotic music. Dun, 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 well, I was going to edit it into that. <laughs> that works. <laughs> you got to vote. Because the world sucks. We got to make it better. So go vote. That's my PSA. That is our PSA. You'll probably hear another PSA later in this episode if you're listening in real time. Okay. I think that's all our announcements. Is that it? Okay. I'm trying to get to your episode, but Mia's head's in the way. Remember when we were so excited about recording upstairs? I mean, this is still better than It is true than the jingly cold. noises. Yeah. Yeah. Fun fact, did I tell you my nieces hate sleeping over here? No. <laughs> they hate sleeping over here. Because they say it's too quiet. And then there will just be random noises, like random pops that happen. That's what houses do. I know. I try to tell them. Okay. If you can't tell by our <laughs> intro, it is the most wonderful time of the year. It's not Christmas. It's not Christmas. It's not Thanksgiving. It's spooky season. Ooh. Ooh. Okay. So these episodes, which have become a tradition around here purposely focus on the spookier artists and themes i.e they are not for the faint of heart meaning if you're not a fan of chilling conspiracy theories spine tangling supernatural happenings or borderline occultic shit these are not the episodes for you i don't blame you join us in november when we're talking about bare naked ladies just kidding that's not what we're doing <laughs> i was like that's not what i'm doing <laughs> i'm not doing that either i'm still deciding on mine but um yeah you can join us for those but also this is rock and roll we said this last year why why are you listening to rock and roll podcast arguably started by satan himself or it's, at least that's what i've been told in my sunday music. school um you know, so y'all know freaky shit's going behind the scenes. Let's let's not joke here. Also, let us not forget that last year we did Led Zeppelin and summoned a demon in the yes. process. So, oh, oh man, we've summoned some things. It, not just in that episode, in the the Buddy Holly episode too. Was it the Buddy? We were talking about Queen, and we heard a voice that showed up on the audio as I, soon as we said Freddie Mercury. This voice showed was up. It the, I think it was. The Buddy Holly episode. I don't know. It was one of those around there. Folks, my house isn't haunted because it was built in 1996. But am I on very colonial lands that was owned by Patrick Henry? Yes. Am I also on land that had a lot of things going down? Yes. So I cannot speak. <laughs> we can just accept that pretty much the entire state of Virginia is haunted. Yes. Correct. And we've just learned to live with it. Yep. Is what it is. Anyway. So there's your annual warning that I always give. And with that said, like Leah mentioned, we did Led Zeppelin last year and I have been saving this artist. Literally for, for this a year. Round, literally for a year. I had been pinning this artist, well, band really, uh, mainly for this origin story that I heard a few years ago from my brother-in-law. So I cannot wait. You heard it from pastor brother-in-law? Yeah, but I cannot wait to tell you about this. Because we're talking about the pioneers of heavy metal themselves. 
themselves black sabbath and and so to start things off here in case you didn't know and i'm sorry if i'm spoiling this for you the band members change a lot and i've never seen this on a band's wiki page before but under like past members it literally says list that's like, sad. <laughs> I've never, and we covered Hart, who had like thirty members. We've covered several bands yeah. who switched in and out. So don't really get attached to anyone. I'm more going to focus on the original lineup. But the reason I'm telling you all this is because one, I'm not going to talk about much of their early lives, like I usually like to do and ruminate on. Um, but two, Leah doing a little bit of a hybrid episode special season special spooky season first i'm covering black sabbath and as you know ozzy osbourne's in that if this is a surprise to you (laughs) sorry um but when ozzy leaves pretty much leah is taking over ozzy's career so join us in two weeks join us in two weeks for part two or five minutes if you're listening if you're catching (laughs) up um so i'm covering black sabbath she'll be covering ozzy um, let's be honest, the bro deserves his own episode anyway, so there's plenty of content to go around here. There is plenty <laughs> of content. <laughs> so let's get into it. So our story takes off in Carlisle, UK, where the blues band blues band mythology is disbanding. Not the worst name. No, it's not it's not bad. And they're disbanding in the year of nineteen sixty eight. The band features Tony Ami. And Bill Ward. Remember those names. They will come back up. And there's also other two other members in the band. Not really important for the story. But they're disbanding because their gigs have dried up. Because all four members were arrested at the same time. <laughs> and were fined 15 pounds each for cannabis. So <laughs> how the times have changed. <laughs> That's that's a really low fine, I feel like. Well, it's but, a low fine, but also, like, they're blacklisted because they smoked weed. Yeah. It, it's it's on the cusp. I mean, Woodstock technically hasn't happened yet. Okay. It's 1969 that Woodstock happens. But anyway, so they're done. Uh, but Tony and Bill, they want to keep jamming. They got a good thing going. So, but they're kind of done with blues. So they think to themselves, what have we formed a heavy blues band because the term heavy metal is not around quite yet. Mm. So they're thinking about it. Heavy blues band. So let me briefly introduce these characters that are coming into story. We're going to start with Bill Ward. Let's meet Bill Ward here. Not so much in his personal life. He was born on May 5th, 1948 in Birmingham, England and played drums all the way through childhood he was inspired by the big band genre of music. So think Buddy Rich, Louis Belson. I act like I know who they are, but I don't. <laughs> I just wanted Someone to. Someone out there it, knows. It sounded good. Um, we'll talk more about him later. We're going to pin him away for now. I just remembered a fact, though, that I forgot to include in my outline. So I'm going to just drop it here. So the dude, this band likes to prank each other so bad. And I feel like this just needs to be in the podcast. They prank each other by lighting each other on fire. That's not a prank. <laughs> that is harmful and let's, dangerous. Let's just start the podcast <laughs> off right. So basically, this character who I haven't mentioned yet, his name's Geezer Butler. We'll yes. learn about him in a second. I believe it's him. It might actually it might be Tony. 
someone in the band go to the bill warren and say man can i light you on fire and he's like nah man we're at rehearsal or something like that and then after they leave rehearsal like what about now man yeah sure why not and lights him on fire and he gets fucking third degree burns are men okay well this is vietnam so you know <gasps> this is vietnam era so, so no so no no they're not okay damn so anyway, i'm just throwing that in there because i wanted to and i think it's a very interesting fact I love of the times. That fire at rehearsal was not okay, but as soon as it's over, it's like, <laughs> so yeah. It's around the streets. Yeah. Fine. fine. That's why not. Okay. So next is Tony. Tony Iommi was born on February 19th, 1948, in Birmingham, England, to Italian immigrants slash winemakers, as we do. Um, he, <laughs> I'm Italian, folks, so you didn't know. When I say we do, because I'm Italian. Yeah. Um, he had a couple of hobbies growing up. He learned karate, judo, and boxing. He learned all these because he had to fend off the neighborhood bullies that were bullying him. Aww. Also, so no one would try to light him on fire. Well, yeah. He's, he's <laughs> just the one lighting on fire. Uh, I forget who it was. Anyway. Second, he liked the drums, but he didn't really like all the excessive noise, so he switched to guitar. <laughs> Leah and I's face at the same time um, just did that squint. <laughs> Excuse me? I don't even know how to respond to that. Continue. <laughs> anyway, so in, when he was 17, he experienced an event that almost changed his life, but definitely changed his guitar style. So the story goes, he clocked in for his last day of work at a sheet metal factory and cut off the tips of his ring and middle finger. On now, which hand? On his right hand. Okay. Now, you can say, well, he's using his right hand to strum the guitar. He's fine. But my bro plays guitar left-handed. I was going to say, strutting hand or strumming yeah. hand or fretting hand. Yeah. So there's an issue here. Um, so he tries to learn guitar right-handed. It doesn't go well. So he's on the verge of quitting. And this is where that like almost changes life part comes in because this bro basically introduced him to this jazz guitarist named Django Reinhardt, who also lost mobility in his hand. I don't know which one, like two or three fingers worth from a fire. So he couldn't like play really anymore, but he just adapted his playing style. He's like, all right, cool. Three of my fingers out commission. Here we go. Two fingers. Like make do with what you got. Yeah, basically. And that would inspire tony to like find his own guitar style and he did what he did was he made fake fingertips out of like a dishwasher detergent bottle and he would tune down his guitar so that the strings were easier to bend interesting so that's why like you'll see and you'll hear from other artists like how different the guitar was yeah that's why i think that's why it has more of a heavy metal sound was because well he lost his finger so he had to tune it down that's so fascinating yeah okay so back to the heavy blues band idea that they are swirling around so while ruminating on this idea i mean i'm assuming this cannot confirm this but it's good for storytelling um they come across a flyer at a music shop in aston birmingham and it says Ozzy Zig needs gig, dot, 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 has own PA. <laughs> so 
<laughs> Which was a lie, but we'll get there next Wait, week. Wait, really? <laughs> Wikipedia, my Wikipedia page did not disclose that. Um, but as a musician looking for bandmates and you read that, that's a huge selling point. So Ozzy Zig, otherwise known as Ozzy Osbourne. Which I'll say, I have no fucking clue why he called himself Ozzy Zig. N- nobody ever explained that. Really? That's <laughs> no, just the phase he's going through. But before placing that flyer, he was in a band called Rare Breed with bassist Geezer Butler. Like I mentioned, we're not really going to talk about Ozzy. Lee's going to pick that up. Stay tuned. But let's talk about Old Man Geezer for a sec. And I will refer to him as Old Man Geezer. That's the only appropriate way. Yeah. With if a name like gonna that. It's going to be Geezer. You, you're going to get called Old Man. So, Geezer Butler. Real name, Terrence Michael Joseph Geezer Butler, was born July 17th, 1949 in Birmingham, England. He's been called Geezer since age eight. Why? Because apparently just people started calling it him Geezer. And it's slang for, you know, like old man pretty much. So basically this dude has been called old man since eight. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why that's so funny, but it is. He grew up Catholic. But claims as a kid, he only went to mass to look at pretty girls. I mean, <laughs> that's what you I do. I don't some- blame him. That's what you do sometimes. Um, however, and here we go. He starts getting into a little known occultist named Alistair Crawley. Hey. As a teenager. We've touched on him a couple times, mainly in the Led Zeppelin episode. So if you want to learn more about him. I think we talk a little bit more about Led Zeppelin in Led Zeppelin, um, but I'm not going to get too much into him. Um, but basically, he reads Alistair Crowley. He stops going to mess. As Normal you do. correlation. Yeah. Um, the band forms. Ozzy is on vocals. Tony's on guitar. Geezer's on bass. Bill's on drums. And they name themselves Polka Tolk Blues Band. I know. That's... <laughs> It's a terrible decision. It is. And they add two members, like I said, not important. Um, well, they're probably important to someone, but not to the story. Uh, they add someone on slide guitar and on saxophone. But as the story goes, the name doesn't stick. I wonder why. Because it's terrible. Yeah, it's terrible. And they shorten it to Polka Tolk. Still terrible. And then around this time, the slide guitars and saxophonists weren't working out. So they broke up the band and then quietly reformed <laughs> as a band called Earth. But Earth was already taken. So what are they going to do? Well, across the street somewhere in Aston, Birmingham, there is a movie being played called Black Sabbath. As we've <laughs> learned, you should just name your band after the first thing yes. you see. And, you're and it good. works out, actually. C.C. Uh, C. Rolling Stones. Yes. Um, but the film was a package film. So they had like three different short films and... Like one was about stalkers, one was about a haunting and killing of unseen celestial creatures, you know, pretty typical 90s horror flick. But after seeing the film, Old Man Geezer says, quote, well, it's not really a quote. I I already say this. After seeing the film, Old Man Geezer saw scary movies as a waste of time. I'm sorry, a waste of money. So he decided to write one of the most horrifying songs of the decade. So let's move on to their first album. It's self-titled, so it's called Black Sabbath. And the very first track is it's called Black Sabbath. Creative. <laughs> I'm just so excited to talk about this. 
So the first track, Black Sabbath, was inspired by horror slash adventure slash occult writer slash Alistair Crawley researcher Dennis Wheatley, who, fun fact, wrote a character that inspired the James Bond films, which means Alistair Crawley inspired James Bond. That's a correlation. I'm just saying. Someone tell the Satanic Panic crew. (laughs) Don't tell them that. (laughs) Let them not know. This song is also inspired by Old Man Geezer's casual visions of a black figure hanging by the foot of his bed. That's some haunting of Hill House shit. Oh, yeah. So, Geezer talks about this event in the linear notes of the reunion album. And so I'm just going to quote it here. I've been raised a Catholic, so I totally believe in the devil. There was a weekly magazine called Man, Myth, and Magic. And I started reading, which was all about Satan and stuff, that that and books by Alistair Crowley and Dennis Wheatley, especially The Devil Rides Out. I moved into this flat. I'd painted black with inverted crosses everywhere. Why? I don't know. Here we go. Here's the next part. Because Ozzy gives him a 16th century book about magic. So hor- we got we got two horrible ideas here. I'm going to I'm going to stop quoting yeah. this. We got two horrible ideas. Painting your entire flat black, which is fine if you're into that. But then you're putting inverted crosses. So step number one, <laughs> step number one of having a demon visit you. Step number two, get a book from the 16th century and put it in your house. To be fair, Ozzy was probably so stoned. He had no clue oh, 100%. what he gave him. <laughs> uh, 100%. Uh, so... Ozzy gave me the 16th century book about magic they'd stolen from somewhere. I put it in the airing cupboard because I wasn't sure about it. And later <sighs> that night, I woke up and saw a black shadow at the end of my bed. It was a horrible presence that frightened the life out of me. I ran to the airing cupboard to throw out the book, but the book disappeared. No. <laughs> no. And then after that, I gave up all the stuff. It scares, scares, scares me shitless. I don't like that. But there's more spooky. Ready? No. In the Ozzy Osbourne years, uh, the linear notes of Black Sabbath, the Ozzy Osbourne years, while rehearsing new material, the band formerly known as Earth experienced a supernatural experience. Geezer and Tony were playing new riffs for Ozzy and Bill. When much to their surprise, they both strummed the same notes at the same tempo, which is literally impossible, folks. Like, you can't think, I don't know. I just think that's insane. Although neither had heard before, uh, although neither had ever before heard the other one play the piece. Mm. Convinced that this was an omen, Geezer christened the song and the group Black Sabbath. Mm. <laughs> so, uh, so with that, the song features an augmented six or a tritone throughout the whole pretty much the whole song and it's considered the devil chord so here's the setup for the song if you've never heard it and i do recommend you go listen to it because it is a banger but for like three quarters of the song you hear this just this tritone song uh chord it just keeps playing and then ozzy singing about this figure at the foot of his bed man that is rock and roll let me tell you so to no one's shock the song has been dubbed the scariest song ever written. 
Jeez, that's a that's a high honor. Even Judas Priest Rob Halford calls it probably the most evil thing. Damn. <laughs> but I promise you, I'm gonna get to the rest of the album as well as the rest of the band's history. But something weird popped up on my research. Oh no. And I would like to submit this to the spooky council, i.e. our audience, for review as evidence. So Black Sabbath. Okay, here's the timeline. They're recording the album Black Sabbath in 1969. Meanwhile, we're going to the moon. Close in the States. Um, There is this band called Coven. Did they show up in your research at all? No, I skipped Black Sabbath entirely. Their album releases in 1969 titled Witchcraft Destroys Minds and Reap Souls. Damn. (laughs) Well, okay. Wait, but they're named Coven? Okay, so they're they're a band that's actually heavily influenced, i.e. probably in the occult, like the members are. Okay. Super controversial during that time. They have, like, inverted crosses. It's, like, the first time Hail Satan has ever been said, like, on audio or something like that. Um, pulls from shelves, right? Because it's also happening in 1969. Uh, Charles Manson's pulling some shit. Like, you can't do that. Satanic panic. But here's where it gets weird. The first track on their album is called Black Sabbath. Okay. They have a bassist named Oz Osborne. No. Like, no. So supposedly you could say that Black Sabbath is just ripping them off, right? But guitarist Tony Iommi in an interview in 1980-something said he has never heard the band nor did he know they released a song called Black Sabbath, nor did he know there was a band member named Oz Osborne. Were they based in the States? They were based in the States. Yeah, they probably had no way and to know the, about they them. they had such limited release. Yeah, they're not getting a like, bunch of press. They're not getting a bunch of press. Like, a lot of their shit's getting pulled off the shelves, right? So, lest I remind you, Black Sabbath's basis is responsible for writing their song Black Sabbath after Ozzy gave him that book. And it's such a weird, satanic 1969 tapestry. Side note, I was asking Josh this. Do you think Satan chose the year 1969 to pull all this shit so that when we look back in history, we just say nice? Nice. (laughs) Yes. Because if so... Bravo. Bravo. It worked. (laughs) Anyway. Millennials are here for you. So... (laughs) It took a second. Oh, God. (laughs) Anyway, so for the rest of the album, it is considered one of the first heavy metal albums ever released. Black Sabbath is considered the first, the song is considered the first doom metal song ever. Doom. Doom. When recording the album, they were given two days to complete the album. And one of those days was for mixing. Damn. So they recorded the whole album pretty much one take in 12 hours. What? Yeah. But Ozzy later said, that's how albums should be made. I don't, I don't disagree with that. Well, because he said like, they literally had practice it. They go play through it. It's done. Go, go get a drink at the bar. That's done. Yeah. You're good. I also want to read this next pa- paragraph straight from Wiki as it relates to our last episode. And I think you're going to appreciate this. Iami began recording the album with a white Fender Stratocaster. Hell Yeah. <laughs> His guitar of choice at the time. 
but a malfunctioning pickup forced him to finish recording with a Gibson SG, a guitar he had recently purchased as a backup but had never really played. The SG was a right-handed model, which the left-handed Yami played upside down. <laughs> Soon after recording the album, he met a right-handed guitarist who played a left-handed SG upside down, and the two agreed to swap guitars. This is the SG that Yami modified and later put out to pasture at a hard rock cafe. Damn. Yeah. What are the chances of meeting your guitar soulmate? I know. I love that story. Also, as a right-handed musician, why did the hell did you buy a left-handed guitar? There's really no reason to. <laughs> you like, have no reason. Like, as a lefty, I get why you would buy a right-handed guitar because the world's not made for you or whatever. But as a righty, like, you have no excuse to yeah, buy a left-handed there's guitar. There's no reason. Absolutely no reason. So the album was released on February 13th, 1970. And yes, I did look back and confirm. Was it a Friday? It was a Friday. Of course it was. Uh, the album got negative reviews. <laughs> I mean, I cannot imagine why. <laughs> but it would eventually become a commercial success and certify platinum. But we're going to talk about that because a lot of their growth is really slow. Like you, th- they didn't, it wasn't just like a Beatles situation where they're all of a sudden big. Yeah. So shortly after the success of their first album, they go ahead and start on the new album, you know, four months after their t- self-titled release. So this time they were given a little more time to record six days. And you know, the extra four. <laughs> um, the album, which was originally going to be called Walpurgis, which is apparently like a Scandinavian holiday revolving around witches i was looking it up there's like witches and a rock i don't know anyway <laughs> um <laughs> witches and a rock you know that famous holiday um but then they changed it to war pigs which is after one of their songs on the album that's a better title um but then they don't have enough tracks on the album so iami on his lunch break writes this riff and they write the song Paranoid, which is arguably their most famous song. Their most famous song in like 25 minutes. It's how the best songs are written. Um, so after they recorded it, you know, the record label comes in and says, you know, hey, we're going to switch the name of the album from War Pigs to Paranoid because that's the better song. Now, it is, in my opinion, but still kind of sucks because that's how record labels work. You don't get creative control. I can go on about it. <laughs> um, but here's the issue. The album cover is already made. And if you've ever seen the album cover, it's a dude holding a shield and swinging a sword in like a slow frame per second. Um, which makes sense. For war the pigs. album's called War Pigs. But, the, but like most record labels, they don't care. Um, they're going to do what they want. So they name a Paranoid and... The band would have fans come up, say, hey, explain your album artwork. And he's like, I wish I could. <laughs> oh, that's sad. <laughs> it is sad. They were pretty pissed about it. Um, but the album had a, obviously a major influence on heavy metal. And it's cited by some critics as the best album metal of all time. Um, Rolling Stones ranks it number 131 on 500 greatest albums of all time. That's pretty high. Yeah, that's really high for them. But the album was slow to become a massive hit like it is today. An article from Loudwire that I was reading states that it took eight months for the album to certify gold, which is that's that's slow. Long, that's slow. And then 15 years for it to certify platinum. 15 years. Yeah. 
And then finally, in 1995, we went quadruple platinum. It also features, like we mentioned, some of the most hits for the band on an album. So, and with many making it on UK's top 20, War Pig, Iron Man, Paranoid, for example. And these songs carry themes such as like anti-war, drugs, of course, depression and paranoia from doing said drugs. The title track, Paranoid, made them more mainstream. Like every good metal band, they hated it. Aww. Iami said in the liner notes of their reunion album, uh, the single attracted Screaming Kids. We saw people dancing when we played it, and we decided that we shouldn't do singles for a long while <laughs> after that to stay true to the fans who liked us before we became popular. I feel that. <laughs> But the album is celebrating a milestone. So it's been 50 years this year. I don't like that. Since the album's been released. It was like September something. What's up, people? My name is Sean, and I'm the host of You're Not Listening, a podcast where we teach you how to actively listen to music one song at a time. Every episode, I sit down with my father, who was a mobile DJ for over 35 years, and we each bring a song to the table and talk about what makes it great, why you should listen to it, and why you should appreciate it through detailed analysis of the words and music, some personal stories that we might have with that, and hopefully will help you change your mind and get you listening to music in a little bit different way so you get a little bit more out of it. Subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, wherever you listen. If you love music and you want to figure out how you can love it even more, maybe even learn how to appreciate a song that you think you hate, it's You're Not Listening, a music podcast. Check it out. Thanks, everyone. But regardless of their slow growth, the first five years of their career is considered the best time for the band. It's their original lineup. But I want to talk a little bit about the band's chemistry up to this point, because this is where all the drugs and alcohol start seeping in, like a lot of drugs and a lot of alcohol. You can blame Ozzy. (laughs) Yeah. So by the time they go to record their next album, Master of Reality, the record label basically gives them a briefcase full of money and winks and indicates this is for drugs. Classy. (laughs) And you see that slow decay in the band throughout each album they release up to that point. So I unfortunately do not have time to go through each one of the bands, like 19 albums released overall. Uh, But the time period I'm going to be talking about is Masters of Reality, Volume 4, Sabbath, Bloody Sabbath, Sabotage, Technical Ecstasy, and Never Say Die. Technical Ecstasy. That wasn't done on drugs at all. Not at all. Uh, But those, I'm not going to talk about those albums a lot. Just know this is the time period I'm talking about. So it seems like every album that passes by, the band becomes less motivated. You know, drugs, drinking tends to do that. Uh, They would often, like most bands during that time, rent a house. But there were just times where they would get so stoned that they couldn't even record. That's just Or not record. They couldn't rehearse. And they would just be like, let's try again tomorrow. Sleep it off. Come back. (laughs) Do it all again. But this was especially true with Ozzy, as I'm sure you will take us down that path. Oh, we will. And by the time technical ecstasy is being completed, Ozzy is being admitted into an asylum. And then finally in 1997, while rehearsing for their next album, Ozzy just quits, thus beginning the what feels like infinite loop of replacing members. You mean 79, not 97. 
What did I say? You said 97. Oh, I'm actually meant 1977. Oh, yeah. Tony Iommi hires a friend to sing for the next album. That friend quits. Ozzy is convinced to come back to the band and records Never Say Die. And then Ozzy is fired shortly after for his excessive drugs. So the next singer to take his place, which many kind of regard him as the second singer of Black Sabbath, despite having multiple people (laughs) fill that role, is Ronnie James Dio from the band Rainbow. He was actually suggested to the band from their manager's daughter, Sharon Arden, who we will talk about. Should should I hold? I'm I'm not going to mention. I'm not going to say you, what she you becomes. Can, you she can, basically becomes Sharon Osbourne. Yes. Um, Dio had a very different voice, so it was way more operatic. Um, he also sang songs differently than Ozzy, where Ozzy would follow the riff, Dio would sing through it. Um, Geezer Butler was talking a little bit about that. Also, fun fact: because his singing was more operatic, he was operatically chained. He was actually offered a scholarship at Juilliard, but turned it down because he wanted to do rock and roll. That's the strangest part of this whole story, but okay. (laughs) But he stayed on for Heaven and Hell, Mobs Rules, and Live Evil. Um, During that time, him and Yami and Butler didn't really get along, so he would leave the band. I'm not going to cover this too much, but he would eventually like come back in, come back out. Him, Iami, and Butler would start a band called Heaven and Hell. Like, so they they'll be jamming together, but for time's sake, we can't get too much into yeah. it. So we get to this point in the early to mid 1980s where the original lineup is just torn apart. So drummer Bill Ward leaves during the Dio years. Like, he records one album and he's like, "I'm out. If I don't have Ozzy, I'm not interested." And then bassist Gies- Old Man Geezer Butler leaves shortly after Dio. So this only leaves Iami. Um, but he cannot give up Black Sabbath. So he keeps recruiting members and disbanding them and recording albums that sound nothing like Sabbath, but labels them Black Sabbath anyway. However, the original lineup would reunite on several occasions. They meet up at Live Aid. As did everybody. Yeah. And then in 1992, at Ozzy's, quote, retirement party. And then, we see how well that went. <laughs> and then something about that reunion in 1992, the band's like, ah, maybe we do miss playing together. So they plan a reunion album, slated for 1995, gets delayed to 1998. Um, but after that reunion album, they're like, hey, let's keep this going. So they plan another album with Rick Rubin in 2001, but things just keep getting away. And that album would finally materialize but more than 10 years later damn in 2013 with the album called 13. So that, they, were, they were waiting on that 13. Yeah. <laughs> that was the real holdup. Um, this album features the original lineup minus Bill Ward due to some contractual disputes. So instead they bring in Brad Wilk from rage and audio slave. Hey. Uh, he joins the, the band for the album. The album was a boost for the band as well. Their sound matches. There are the sound of the album matches like their older sound, um, but it's a little bit more raw. And their song "God Is Dead?" Question mark. Um, oh, I like the <laughs> dead. Dead uh, awarded the band their first Grammy in fourteen years. So after their album thirteen, 
which is their 19th album. A little confusing. The band wants to fil- film. The band wants to record album number 20, but it does not happen. Aww. So instead, they plan a farewell tour with the tour ending in their hometown of Birmingham. Um, contains the original lineup minus Ford. So despite a rocky history with the band and many character changes, the legacy of this band is still absolute. I mean, they're considered the Beatles of heavy metal, having sold 70 million records worldwide. Um, and the list of bands they inspired is like truly infinite. Like ever listen to a metal band? Chances are they inspired them. Yeah, probably. Like literally the wiki page is like, all right, here's all the bands. <laughs> Every metal band who ever existed. Yeah, basically. Um, they were inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame in 2006. Uh, but I wanted to end talking about the band's image to the public. Kind of going back here. So the band, I think, unfairly has been characterized as Satanist. And did they bring that upon themselves? Yeah, probably a little bit, but they did name themselves Black Sabbath. True. And they had the one song about, you know, figure staying over the bed. But that's not what this band is really about. Yes, they had some occultic type songs. But while these bands were reading Alistair Crawley and get ready for a very widely controversial statement. But the bands were also reading other fantasy books like J.R.R. Tolkien's Lord of the Rings. Yeah. Like. It seems like these bros, in my view, were more interested in like the mythology more than anything. And I think this is what that time of the satanic panic missed completely. In an interview with Loudwire, uh, Loudwire, Geezer Butler, I believe, talked about how at the beginning of the band, there was a clash with the town and culture they grew up in. So they come from an industrial part of England. Mm -hmm trying to rebuild after World War II where all they had to look forward to was a factory job. Mm-hmm. Then in the 60s, they hear about peace, love, and flowers. And this just doesn't coincide with their daily lives and what they see when they wake up. So there's a lot of hopelessness. So I would argue these bros are escaping reality through music, through fantasy, and wanting to change the circumstances. The band, especially on Paranoid, was exploring using satanic metaphors to describe what they believed was current day evil. For example, the Vietnam War and the corporate organizations taking advantage of it. Mm-hmm. As the band puts it, war is, quote, the big Satan. Are they wrong, though? No, they're absolutely not. So does the band have some spooky ties? Absolutely. Are they Satanists? Absolutely not. Um, but despite this, I really think the press at the beginning of their career was really critical of them. Mm -hmm. And I, that's why the record sales was slow, but it just seems over time, once the eighties rolled around and we're like, oh yeah, we're all into that shit. Like, hell yeah. Yeah. Um, but however, I am glad that today they are being remembered more for their music and the unique talented riffs that they had and how they impacted like every metal band in existence Mm -hmm. and i'm glad the satanic panic is over 
Maybe we'll do an episode about it sometime in our career. Oh, I would love to do that. That might be good. We'll pin that for next spooky season. Next Halloween. But yeah, a little bit of a shorter episode. Like I said, there's pretty much the mid 80s. Yami is just, here's a band. Make an album. Disbands that band. <laughs> Goodbye. Yeah. But yeah, there you go. Spooky season. Spooky season. Episode one. We got to talk about the beer, though. Oh, yeah. Okay. What's, what is it? pointed to me okay thank you okay i feel like what was it last episode we didn't we did not drink last episode we were both really fucking tired yeah we were super tired but now we are we're drinking we're actually splitting one because we both wanted to try it and it's a yingling that conveniently says on it 21 plus to enjoy (laughs) i thought that was i think it's because of the other part oh yeah yeah, that makes sense. But anyway, so Yingling, also known as America's oldest brewing company. Um, this is a porter with Hershey's chocolate in it. It is good. It is really good. Like at first you get a hit of that Hershey's taste and then it turns into a beer. I am a fan of this. I am too. And I'm not a huge porter stout person. Yeah, neither am I. But it doesn't have that like... This is what I was saying before we started recording. I think craft porters and stouts are so syrupy thick. Yeah. But because this is a domestic, like, mass-produced drink, it's not syrupy. It's got the consistency of a normal yingling. And I like that. No, same. I like it. Don't come at me, craft beer people. (laughs) (laughs) There are moments for you, and then there are moments where you need to drink a domestic. Yes. So that concludes week one of Spooky Season. Come back in two weeks for part two, all about Ozzy. It will be a wild ride. I cannot wait. In the meantime, you can subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, wherever your podcasts are found. We'd love it if you left us a review. It's been a while since we've had one. We do look at each and every one of them and you make our day if you leave one. Yes, you do. Uh, Special thanks to Josh Tarpley for our intro riff. You can like us on Facebook or follow us on Instagram at Shield Rocky Podcast. Uh, you can follow us personally at Beth Ann Tarpley and at LeeElizabeth.J. Did you like the spooky season? Do you want us to do it again next year? Do you have an idea for next spooky episode? Yeah, give us ideas. Send us an email at SheWillRockYouPodcast at gmail.com. And remember, don't do drugs. Don't do drugs. Don't do drugs.